Welcome to the SBS Volta Espana podcast with Zwift. Last year in the Volta, we saw Zwift Academy winner Jay Vine come desperately close to a stage win. And this year, another Zwift Academy winner, Neve Bradbury, performed brilliantly at the Giro Donna, finishing 10th overall. Well, it's all about to kick off again. Registrations are open and the Zwift Academy starts on the 12th of September. Importantly, it's not just about elite riders chasing a pro contract. Anyone can take part. The Zwift Academy features six structured workouts over four weeks. And after you've graduated, Zwift will share workout and training recommendations based on your results. It's a great way to find your strengths and go further. So if you want to dive in and start riding with a free seven-day trial, head to Zwift.com. Now here's Christoph and Macca with the SBS Volta Espana podcast with Zwift. Comienza a disfrutar, mira una y otra vez hacia atrás, pero sabe que no vienen. Se lleva la mano a la cabeza, no se lo cree. Segunda victoria para el australiano. Fantástico. También queda continuar con Marshall. Que va a ser segundo en el mundo. Oh, sí. Como, creo que tengo mucho más confianza después de la primera. Es como, tengo ese monkey de mi cabeza. Fue, sí, just felt so much more natural and yeah riding in the group today all the pressure was off me I had sort of two two goals and if one didn't pay off I always had the KOM jersey to fall back on um but yeah no it it was yeah a lot more confidence in the in, in myself um and yeah really really just enjoyed today like today was such a fun day Bonjour, bonjour, buenos dias. Uh, welcome to the Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. It's 11 a.m. here in Spain. It's 7 p.m. where Maka, uh, Dave McKenzie here, uh, welcoming him on the program. Maka, he enjoyed it. Didn't we just enjoy it too as well? Today was a fun day. That's what he yeah, said. No. <laughs> Today was a fun day. 3,800 meters of climbing, <laughs> summit finish, in the clouds again. They almost, that's two times Jay Vine has won now, and we've barely seen him cross the line. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. I was actually getting a bit worried for, for Bree, his wife as well, going, she needs to enjoy him crossing she the looked, line. She Come needs on. to at least see him once cross the line. <laughs> Other than the photo finish, you know, that would be nice. Exactly. <laughs> so we took but all about to you. Yeah. Thank you. Buenos dias. Buenas tardes for you. Uh, yeah. we, we are going to talk a lot about Jay Vine, a lot about the stage today. But first of all, we've got a special guest with us. She's all the way from France because she's in her way to uh, a race somewhere in Europe as well. It's Amanda Spratt. How are you, Spratty? And thank you so much for spending the time to be with us. No worries. Thanks. It's great to be here. Always love talking to you both. Um, apologies for the um, lovely background here. Currently in a hotel room en route to Holland. But yeah, really happy I have the time to chat. En route to, to Holland because uh, racing hasn't stopped for you uh, and there's still that massive goal about uh, the World Championship. We'll talk about all this. And by the way, uh, people from the Catch Peloton, if you have any questions for Sprati, hurry up. You can put them in the comment box below and uh, we'll make sure that we uh, pick up the good ones and uh, make sure we uh, put that down to, uh, to Amanda. Uh, first one for you, Amanda. How are you feeling? We saw you last uh, on our screen at the Tour de France uh, farm. Uh, not the best time for you, but how are you now? <clears throat> yeah, obviously my Tour de France fan was short-lived um, out on stage two after a nasty crash. Uh, 
it took me a couple of weeks uh, to recover and be able to train normally again. But uh, I was up at altitude in St. Moritz, living it up with the rich and famous. So got a really <laughs> nice um, training block done there and then went straight into G um, the Britannia Classic, which I just raced yesterday. So that was a sort of a really tough one day race, uh, made the winning breakaway there, came 11th, didn't have the best legs, but I think it was always going to be sort of touch and go if I was going to be good or not in that race. So I was actually really happy with with the way I raced and, and the result given I didn't have great legs and I think an important one day race to get in, especially looking ahead towards the world champs. I was going to say, Amanda, uh, actually, firstly, two things. Firstly, and for all of our people watching I sent you a quick email. I'd lost your number, so I shoot, I shoot you an email yesterday. You you messaged me, you reply. You're on the team bus heading to the start line. Hey, mate, I think I can come on the show. Maybe not today because I'm racing, but maybe tomorrow. <laughs> so thank you so much. Uh, you must be really wrapped because I saw you and hate to bring it up again, but I was on that finish line when you withdrew from the Tour de France, I've seen the highs of your career and I've seen some lows. That was a, a pretty low one. So you must have been absolutely pumped yesterday to, to be in there with a fighting chance sort of right to the end. And you just said off in the green room to us that it was a pretty solid race, like the gas was on all day. So that must give you plenty of confidence sort of moving forward now. Yeah, definitely. And you're spot on. I feel like I've had a lot of lows um, this year. Obviously, I've been coming back from my iliac artery endofibrosis surgery and it was all going well. And then I had COVID in the Giro out, crashing the Tour de France out. So it just felt like, you know, everything kept going against me while I was trying to come back. But yesterday was definitely sort of that another turning point, I guess. Um, and it was a hard race. I mean, Ploway is one of those races where no one's really targeting it but everyone sort of wants to go well there and it's a course where you look normally we analyze a course and say this is where it's going to happen this point at this climb but just one of those courses where you know everyone was told for 158k stay in the front <laughs> because we're on narrow roads it's twisty um yeah i mean an early break went of um, almost 15 riders we had georgia williams so we were happy with it but canyon tram and fdj uh both missed missed it so they were chasing for almost 100 kilometres. So you just had pressure on the pedals the whole day and they were brought back and my brake went not long after that. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're having to change and think, okay, how can I win this? How can I get a good result for the team? So, yeah, as I said, yeah, in the end 11th, but I think there are a lot of positives to take out of it. And I think, yeah, a couple of days recovery now and into Holland and I think that's really going to set me up well for the rest of the season. And uh, Maka, just a side note, uh, Harry Sweeney said yesterday he bought his leg on Wish.com uh, and he finished fourth. <laughs> you had rubbish leg, but you finished 11th. I mean, that's already not too bad. Uh. You didn't buy them from Wish.com, did you? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, maybe, maybe. I won't divulge some information here. <laughs> How important are these racing yesterday, the next week, the next few weeks? Because in four weeks, uh, you've been selected to be part of the Australian team in, in Wollongong. How is your next month looking uh, to make sure you win this race? Well, to make sure, <laughs> no pressure or anything. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm direct. My palms I'm known to be pretty direct. Yeah, no, firstly, an, uh, yeah, an absolute honour to be named in the Australian team again. I think, you know, it's, it's definitely been a goal of mine. I've, I've been written the course when I was in Australia over the summer. Um, and yeah, just firstly, an honour to be named in the team. I think we had six, seven starters. Um, and, you know, 
the level of Australian women's cycling in Europe has just stepped up massively. Like you look at some of the riders that didn't get selected and, yeah, I mean, we've got so much depth at the moment, so real privilege to be, to be named in the team. And I think, yeah, yesterday's one-day race was a really tough one to get in the legs and really happy with that. And I now go to Holland and get my head around some stressful Dutch racing for a few stages and then a really hard stage around Valkenburg, sort of like an Amstel Gold race um, type classic. So I'd really be looking to go well there. But I think, yeah, just getting this really big block of racing in now is going to be really good preparation. Um, I'll take some easy days and then head out to Australia around 9th, 10th of September. So it's going to be great. I get to do my final preparation in Australia on some of my home roads. I've booked in with my physio in Springwood where I live and um, it's going to be amazing to see my family, get in some of mum's cooking before Worlds, celebrate my birthday with my family for the first time in about 12 or 13 years. So, yeah, I'm, I feel like really excited about it. It's On the one hand, it's going to be really strange to be, pre to be preparing for Worlds there, but I think there's going to be a lot of positives, positives in it and yeah, pretty pumped to hopefully get my dad out on the bike. He's a good sprinter, so get some sprint practice against dad, <laughs> against my brother, so everyone can play their part in the prep. And just just staying on the world for a sec, Amanda, um, Grace Brown had a great race uh, yesterday. She was third. She's in the team. Brady Chapman, uh, I haven't got the list in front of me, but as you say, the level of of um women pros and and young girls if i can say and women coming up through the ranks is exceptional now you've had two medals at the worlds yourself we've won olympic road races in the women's i feel like this is a huge opportunity to for you aussie women now to put someone on the top step and what do you think it would mean you know for the future for the next gen coming up the next five ten years because you're in this position as a 17 16 year old you went to junior worlds and you made your way up through when you you look now what how important is it that the fact that it's the second time only ever that we've had the worlds in australia um what's the important level importance level um for you of this one yeah i think it's it's hugely important um my first ever elite worlds actually was in geelong uh, so yeah, I've done the only other home world championships that we've ever had. And I remember the impact that had, I mean, on me personally, I was a young rider then, um, and completely overwhelmed with the experience, but I think I gained mm. so much inspiration out of that and seeing what it means to race in front of a home crowd. And even to see, I still remember younger riders or juniors coming up to me at that event and seeing how much of an inspiration it was that we could race and, you know, how that's inspiring the next generation. So I think, you know, that's going to be a really impact big impact that we can have and I think yeah you're really right in terms of the team that we have and the opportunity that we have to put on a, a really good show and a great performance um I think Grace Brown on the podium again yesterday uh Alex Manley as well taking the win in Scandinavia yeah. she's really proved herself as a as a big leader there um Brody Chapman for me has just you know stepped up so much this season um working a lot of the time for FTJ teammates but she's been one that's really stepped up so I think realistically we can have four of us that are really there deep into the final and, and then use our numbers so for me when I look at the team I think it's probably the strongest team overall that we've had in a number of years um which yeah there's plenty of opportunity there I think the other thing that I really like is um we've got Josie Talbot in the team as the Oceania champion and she lives in Wollongong. She's racing on home roads. And I think, you know, one thing that we say in all cycling or, in, you know, one role that we have is in to, to inspire the next gen, to inspire people to get on bikes. And I think you don't get much better mm. than having your hometown hero racing on home roads. Um, 
you know, she's going to be an absolute yeah. hero. So I think, you know, the impact that, sh- that she can have by being there and, and doing a great role for the team is massive as well. Yeah. And uh, just to finish on the World Championship, how is the home advantage? Could or how could it be beneficial for to the Aussie team? Is there really a home advantage that we can see in in soccer or football? Yeah, I think you know that when you have that hometown support and your family and friends on the road, then I think it's always you know you always get that little bit extra um, you know motivation and excitement to race. I think. You know, we always say, don't worry, it's just another race. But, I mean, it is another, uh, you know, it's just another race like we do all season. But it's still important to recognise that it's, you know, it is a different race and it's a bigger race and there's more pressure and everything like that. But as long as we can take that in a positive way, then I think it can give us a big advantage. And there's nothing better than suffering up a climb and hearing someone actually know who you are and and shout out your name (laughs) and give you that little bit of extra, you know, maybe a sneaky push here and there would be great. But, um, (laughs) yeah, there's nothing better than hearing that and, you know, the majority of our races are in Europe and that doesn't happen all the time, you know, every now and then. I know Macca sometimes at Flanders when you've been there on the side of the road and you hear your name, it's like, oh, wow, oh my gosh, right. <laughs> someone knows my name. <laughs> it just, it's, not so, it's not just some crazy Belgian fan that's got I mean, postcards of you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be you, but... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was him, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, was, okay. I'll, I'll hold my judgment. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get your reaction on, uh, on Jay Vine and what we've just seen at, uh, at the Vuelta? Uh, and and reason why I'm asking this is it feels, and I've, I've actually asked this to a few of the French commentators as well, Maybe I'm going to jump the gun, but it feels that we have a bit of a golden generation happening in Australia at the minute and in the men's and in the women's as well. But Jay Vine, yeah, he's not coming from a, from nowhere. We we know we know the background, but he's literally exploding on the world stage. The the people here are literally discovering someone like Jay Vine. Uh, how do you rate this performance? How, how do you live this as well yourself as an as an Australian athlete? Yeah, well, I mean. I'm a professional, I'm racing, but above anything, I'm also a massive cycling fan. So I was sitting there on the bus on the, on the way from Britannia Classic to the airport yesterday watching watching the race and, like, cheering him on. And I, I read on Twitter, like, Jay Vine in the early break, and I thought, oh, that's so awesome. Like, I think they had four minutes, 30K to go. Oh, he's going to have a great chance. And then, I, and then I looked who was in the break, and it's like Soler, Lander. And then I thought, oh, okay, maybe, <laughs> you know, there's a pretty – quality breakaway that he's with but then yeah just watching it was it was incredible and I think the confidence that he's taken out of that first win two days ago and the confidence he put into his ride yesterday was was incredible and I just can't get my head around the fact that yes he, he was racing before but this is his second um his second full season in Europe and plenty of riders go their entire career spanning you know 10 plus years dreaming of a grand tour stage winner and he's just gotten two in um two in what is it in 48 hours so I think that's just absolutely incredible and I think beyond that as as an Australian cyclist maybe sitting at home aspiring to be a professional I think the message that he's sending and the inspiration that he's giving so many riders in Australia um, the same goes for Neve Bradbury she was the the female Mm. winner in the same year as Jay Vine and look what she's doing on the world tour this year she's you know multiple top 10 places so I think the impact that they're having on riders that are maybe sitting at home and wondering, you know, how they can get to Europe, um, you know, what are the options? You know, this is just another pathway to get there. And, you know, Jay's, I think he's 26 now, so he didn't come through that traditional under 23 um, sort of, you know, a lot of riders we see come through the under 23s and come through that way. So in terms of men's cycling, he came like late in in inverted commas, but I just think, (laughs) you know, it's, 
I'm blown away by what he's doing. And and I think you mentioned earlier, but I was so stoked that, um, you know, they lost the coverage yesterday with about 5K to go yeah. <laughs> and the cloud is coming across. And I, and I saw Breeze shout out his wife the other day for, you know, please, if anyone has a photo from that stage win, please send it to me. <laughs> and I was just like panicking, thinking, oh, my gosh, he's going he's gonna to win and there's going to be no photo again. So I was also, I think I was more happy that the clouds went away and you got like a good photo. <laughs> it's... Uh, oh. It's, it's cool. I love I love everything you just said then, Amanda. And you sort of answered what my question was going to be, but I'll add a little bit to it. Because you've been in the sport such a long time, like I have and people like us from our era, your era. Do you think it's going to explode now, the sport, with new talent that, you know, don't come through that traditional pathways like the track program or racing on the track you know that the country carnival scene and then racing on the nrs because of the way jay has come through and neve who you mentioned as well do you think there's going to be the this explosion in the next 10 years of athletes that we're going to discover you know just with huge engines and then somehow they're going to learn to negotiate a peloton because that's probably the big thing that gets me that does my head in they're negotiating a peloton with very little experience in europe yeah, you're completely right. And I and I think in the early years of Swift Academy, we did see some riders that, you know, were just chosen for the engine, but then really struggled with navigating, you know, the peloton and the skills and everything like that. So I think in that sense, the Swift Academy has also evolved in sort of looking more at that. But I think, yeah, it, it's definitely, you know, it opens that potential or maybe makes teams realise as well that there's so much untapped talent out there that's also not discovered. And so I think, yeah, with, with Jay, like I said, I can't get my head around that it's his second, only his second season in, in Europe and he's already he's already doing this so I think you know I think it will give teams you know a lot of times I think teams are quite traditional in how they look at you know they everyone looks at under 22 to a lavenir and then you know they go to you know the under 23 races under 23 nation cup and sort of look at that whereas maybe the, the others that scope to look to look a bit wider and to take that I think teams see it as quite a risk sometimes so maybe you know it's taking a risk but you know this this can pay off maybe not maybe they won't all pay off but certainly there's so much talent there and i think you know the nrs in australia i think they seem you know we're seeing more riders get signed from that even on, on the female side riders like Maeve plouf going to dsm next year um, mm -hmm. um and Lau onto the next g team full time so i think you know teams are starting to realize that, that you know there are more ways to look at, at, at getting talent on board um, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Go, go on, go on, Mike. Yeah, no, I just I want to put you on the spot, Amanda, just a little bit because just with you know you are in deep in your career with the science, the training, everything up to speed. How far can Jay Vine go, in your opinion? Do you think he can ride general classification for three weeks? You know, in the next two three years, is it is it possible or? Or should he be focusing on, you know, one week stage races? You know, Forget is he going Forget will he have the capabilities? Forget, Forget the coconuts, mate. We're going, <laughs> we're going all the way to the very top. We want to breed grand tour riders. I think the answer is coconuts. <laughs> no. yeah, thank you. <laughs> Just want to stay on Christoph's good yeah, side. Christoph. <laughs> <laughs> I've been influenced. Um, yeah, I mean, I saw an interview with him. Uh, I think it was after the stage yesterday or, or maybe even this morning. I can't remember. And saying how, you know, 
you know, at the moment, the polka dot is, yeah, he hopes to hold on to that for as long as he can. And, you know, it'll be more interesting to see what he can do in week two and three. And if he goes more for GC, then those stage opportunities and chasing the polka dot become less. So I think at the moment he's more, you know, he has to pick and choose a little bit. But I think certainly the potential that he's shown already in this welter is, mm. is amazing. And I think maybe a natural progression would be to, I mean, from what I understand before, the team were deliberately asking him to lose time in some of the stages. So he'd have those opportunities to to go and chase the stage wins, chase the polka dot, getting the breakaways. So I think, you know, a natural progression could be next season. Let's target a few, you know, we, we know what you can do on the climbs. Let's target a few one-week stage races and put you in that GC position um, because it's a whole different ball game playing GC. You know, you have the mm. pressure every single day. The flat days, you have you have to stay well-positioned, not crash, look after yourself, and then you have to back up. So I think it's very different to be mentally as well on every single day versus knowing okay this day it doesn't matter i, I can pull up and 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 lose a few minutes so i mean yeah. but i yeah i think there's nothing stopping him i think for sure mm. the team would be looking at him and saying this is a future gc contender at, at the biggest grand tours whether that's maybe not next year or the year after but yeah he's 26 so plenty of years ahead of him as well to find that out mm. but um Polka dots first. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe do polka dots on the way. Polka on the way. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Actually, I saw anyway. you, Christoph, Christoph, say yesterday that um, an Australian's never won the polka dot jersey at the Tour de France. Ever. So. 120 years since the Tour de France has happened. Uh, first yeah. start, 1st of July, 1903. Uh, we, we're doing 120th anniversary, 1st uh, of July next year. Okay. Uh, Starting from Bilbao, by the way. Never, ever. Australians have won everything else. Yellow, green, uh, red. There was a red jersey for the uh, catch uh, jersey mm -hmm. with Phil Anderson. Uh, they won everything except the polka dot. So, I mean, well, I kind of like do... that. You know, we have, exactly. I think, three, oh, they have the hashtag get wrecked today. Maybe we can start a new one. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I actually, I actually I texted you yesterday. You're buying into his, his crazy plan. <laughs> I know, see, I'm. <laughs> 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 That's why I'm good. Uh, but I, I actually tested, uh, texted Brie yesterday. She said, you have no idea what we're planning for next year. That's all she said. Ooh, so, okay, like <laughs> oh, you know what? Let's again. listen to uh, Jevine and then uh, we'll recap with you uh, just after this. Jay, well, mate, this morning you said you felt okay. You're going to give it a crack. Well, you certainly give it a crack. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, I think it's a solid crack. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> so just take us through the day. You know, you, you've got away in the break early. You said you would try that. How did it all work? Yeah, like like I said before, at the start of the day, the road was going to be really narrow. First, first two or three k's were fairly flat before the climb really started, and you know we had a couple of guys that were like sort of close on GC, and quick step for and like the guys were really trying to control the, the group. We had a, a pr pretty big group, and you know I had Stanard with me, but uh, as we started to get towards the top. Um, I was I was I was focused on just getting points because who knew like who knew what would happen if we kept with the group that we had and but over the top I sort of got my points Soler came with me and we were together in the valley and after that the group sort of shrunk a little bit and you know the FDA guys with three of them were really motivated to keep it away Pedersen as well to get the points for the jersey and take it today so yeah from then on it was just play it smart Everyone knows I want the points for the jersey and hopefully have enough left in the tank for the finish. He wants the point for the jersey. Uh, blue dots look good. Red <laughs> dots look better even, you know. <laughs> it's, uh, but, but, uh, yeah, go on. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's a carbon copy so far 
of Michael Storer 12 months ago, isn't it? Two stage yeah. wins. He won the polka dots. So anything beyond that is a, a bonus, but Jeepers, he'll add another zero to his contract, won't he, Spready? Yeah, I think so. I think there'd be plenty of teams uh, putting him at the top of their list at the moment, so I'm sure he's mm. attracting a lot of attention. Uh, and, and remember that he's still with uh, Alpecin uh, Duquenic next year, I believe. And there's Kedden Grove joining him as well. So there'd be a, a bit of an Australian contingency in that team, which will make it even more interesting for us uh, to, to follow the team. Uh, last question to you, uh, Spadi, because I know you have to go as well. You uh, incidentally have to catch a plane and you also have to uh, uh, to race uh, next week. What's, uh, <laughs> what can we wish you for the next for the next week? And, 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 and yeah, what, what, what's, what's, what would be a good lead up to the world for you right now yeah i mean i would just love to continue this progression that i've got now without without any bad luck and and maybe a result in in holland in especially in, in the queen stage is something that i'm really eyeing off but just yeah nice uninterrupted or not you know without the bad luck and, <laughs> and everything touch wood that would be nice just nice smooth sailing and then smooth travel to australia they don't lose my baggage um, I've heard that's a bit of an issue at the moment, so I want to buy one of those trackers <laughs> yeah, that, can, that can, that can track, track my bike all the way back. Um, and then, yeah, I'm super pumped and excited to to see everyone in Wollongong and have a home crowd. And I just think it's going to be it's going to be incredible. It is, and you know what? You're not hanging up just yet because we've both almost forgot you're leaving bike exchange and you are heading yeah. to a new team next year yeah. wow what are we going to do we're going to get used to you in different kit. It's, going to take, it's going to take a whole half a season <laughs> i know i know so yeah news is out now that i've signed yeah. a two-year contract with trek segafredo so 11 years with bike exchange um and for me it was just about you know i leave the team on really good terms i love the team i'll always be the biggest fan of the team but you know a new opportunity came up a new challenge um you know i'm not in the start of my career anymore it's just that point where i was just really looking forward to a new motivation and they are the best if not one of the best teams in the world so i'm very excited about the new challenge and yeah it just feels like a new motivation and um yeah it's it's going to be really exciting for me and at the same time, massively grateful to Team Bike Exchange, Jaco. I mean, they've supported me through my whole career, um, especially Jerry Ryan and, and the amount of, you know, input he's had. It's It's been amazing. But just, you know, time for a new challenge and, yeah, I'm excited. Do you know what you can do as a best living present? Get the rainbow. Get the rainbow jersey. That would be a nice way of sending you it'd be, off to your new it'd team. Be, it'd be very good, wouldn't it? But you realise, Christoph, they don't get that jersey when, because she then no, but they get the points. They get the UCI points. <laughs> I might get, get points. some of the UCI points, my friend. Well, I, am, <laughs> I am racing. I've, I've got a few races after Worlds, so there'll be a few oh, races. Oh, there you go. Okay. You, there you go. Answers my question. <laughs> Thank you, Spati. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks, I know buddy. you're a bit, a bit, a bit uh, in a rush, but... Uh, Thank you so much for all the support you're giving to Australian Cycling, to our program, to everything, and then best of luck all the way to the world. And we hope to talk to you with a nice rainbow jersey on your shoulders. That would be nice. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> nice to chat. Yeah, thanks, Brady. <laughs> Bye. Bye. She's such a legend, Maka. Uh, so good to get her on. And and yeah. as I said, and I wanted to make sure the viewers heard that, as you, as you know as well, Christoph, it was such last minute, and she literally replied to us, while she yeah. was en route to a world world tour race, saying, yeah. "Yep, I can come on tomorrow." Not too many athletes do that, so no. she knows where her bread is buttered. <laughs> it's all, it's all for you. She it's all for you, Maka. It's all for you. Uh, joining us now, it's uh, Kate Bates, which was uh, waiting patiently in a, in the green room. How are you, Kate? 
I'm good. It was fantastic to hear from Spratty. So uh, good get, guys. Um, and, gee, she's an interesting athlete, isn't she, and a damn good human. And, uh, yeah. Maka, I love that you asked her about leaving Bike Exchange. And, Christoph, I reckon it would be ripper to get the uh, rainbow stripes because then all the people who followed her for so long could get a, a Bike Exchange jersey with the rainbow stripes and that would be pretty special. Uh, so yes. fingers crossed for her. Just, um, just quickly, just to you, Kate, um, and we, we, as Christoph said, we'd spoken to Spratty for way over the time that we said we would, so we had to let her go. But it'll be a massive change for her, won't it, heading to Trek? Sure, she's a seasoned pro. As she said, she's at the back end of her career, but she's been with Australian teams all the way through. So this is a huge step for her. Yeah, it's a massive step, and I think also culturally uh, it'll be mm. quite different. But I think there's a lot of utility in that because she'll be put in a position where she sees things being done differently, where over at an Aussie-based team they've just always sort of done it in an Aussie cultural way. And I think that that newness might bring some freshness to her training, to her race strategy, and even just in kind of a social way uh, to ride a bike, I think, It'll take her out of the role that she's become at Bike Exchange, which is absolutely, um, with all due respect, Spratty, um, like the mother hen, you know, because mm. she's been there for so long. And I think that yeah. she'll now uh, be able to be mentored by some of the uh, elder statesmen over at Trek, which will be massive for her. So a bit of reinvigoration, but I don't reckon it would have been an easy choice. Uh, so there'll be some mixed emotions there, but I think we can see it working well is my feeling. Yeah. Yeah, well said, well said. I'm with you. I think it's a great, great move for her. And remember, the season is not finished. She's got so much to, uh, to bring as well. And she had so many uh, trouble problems this year as well. Uh, she needs to concentrate and she, she will make sure she concentrates her, uh, her winning in that short period, which would make the whole season uh, worth it. Uh, let's go down the, the, the route of the Vuelta and the stage that we had yesterday. Let's go and do a wrap with uh, the other contenders that we, uh, we had yesterday. We talked about Jay Vine. Uh, let's talk about Luke Plapp. Uh, let's listen to him and, uh, and let's debrief what he just said. Luke, uh, that was a very steep climb. Would that be as tough as you've done? Yeah, I think so, Matt, especially uh, the lead-in. The five or six climbs we had before that really topped it off and uh, made it a real tough climb. Um, lucky enough, the uh, the front of the guys sort of sat up a bit and let the break go after that first climb, I think, or else I think uh, a lot of us would have been in trouble with time cut. Um, but once again, Jay went in showing his strength and uh, oh, it's pretty amazing, but... Yeah, uh, sounds like our boys did all right, um, but yeah. Now, we spoke with we you every day. Earlier on, you, you know, your first Grand Tour, but now it's really getting into it now. You're eight days, some serious climbs. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm pretty buggered, to be honest, mate. Um, today's actually the longest I've raced in a row, so a week was the longest I've done, so today broke that. Um, I can definitely feel it, and uh, what, we're a third of the way through. <laughs> um, but now looking forward to uh, the rest day and the TT and sort of have a couple of days off and, and really try work into it and and uh, build through the race if that's even possible. But uh, yeah, look, I think uh, us boys, are, we're still here. We've got a real strong team and hopefully with the others we can try and make something happen later on. They tell me tomorrow's finale is even steeper than this. <laughs> but uh, then you've got to say you've got a rest day and then your favourite, the TT. So 
you think you can recover enough to actually have a go in it? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'll see uh, what the team thinks. Tomorrow is going to be brutal, that last climb, but I think we'll just be able to roll up that and let the uh, light guys go for it. Um, and then, yeah, I'll see on the morning of the TT how we go. Um, at the same time, like I'm already pretty buckled, so if I went full gas, maybe it cost me uh, in the back half of this race. But, uh, look, I always love them, and I'd love to have a little crack at it, so we'll see how we go. Good, mate. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Uh, John uh, Trevor, our work experience kid here, not half rubbing it into him, saying you are steep today or tonight. It's uh, it's even steeper. <laughs> but, uh, uh, Kate, uh, it's the longest he's he's, he's competed in a in a row, eight days. Uh, do you think he's now at a coaching point where he's now going to start to learn a lot more about himself now? Yeah, I, I found it really interesting. I mean, firstly, I think huge kudos to him because he's really composed and he just seems like. He's doing it tough and physically it's quite a battle, but, you know, he's still in a pretty good mindset and I really like that and I'm seeing this maturity grow in him, which is fantastic. Uh, but what I felt was interesting, and I'm wondering if this is from inexperience on his side being his first Grand Tour uh, or whether it is team-led and his desire to use this to go up a next level, he finished about 16 and a half minutes behind, but Gruppetto was back at 27 minutes. Uh, so he talked about not wanting to miss the time cut, but he was so far in front of that. Uh, and I just wonder why he didn't sit up more uh, and take it a bit more easy back there. So I'm quite interested in whether that is coming from his desire to always be as competitive as he can possibly be uh, or whether the team are saying to him, you know, this is going to catapult you up another level. So don't just sit back with Gruppetto, but make sure you make the most of every single kilometre. If he did sit up, he'd probably have a better chance in the time trial. Uh, but it sounds to me, my gut, and Macker, I'm really interested in your thought on this, but my gut feeling tells me that they're just trying to push him as hard as he can, no matter what that means, uh, which means that he doesn't get to go to Gruppetto, uh, but he still will lose a fair bit of time. Yeah, it's an interesting point, Kate. Um, yeah, and maybe a little bit of inexperience, I guess. I mean, you know, I made the mistake once of going too easy and got eliminated. So, you oh. know, and being Oops. a young pro. In, in a time yeah, trial. In a, in a time trial, yeah. It was actually in a time trial. Well, oh, thanks for rubbing it in. Mate. I know that's story. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, good on you. What sort of a mate are you? Jeez. Um, <laughs> not, not hard dubbing into this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nah, so look... I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's one of those things. We'll find out in due course, won't we, or in, you know, the coming years. But um, I thought he was pretty honest in that interview, which I liked, when John said, how are you going? And he's like, I'm pretty buggered, mate. You know, it's the longest I've raced now, you know, eight days in a row. So, um, yeah, you live and you learn, don't you, Kate? And as you get older, you can measure your effort a bit better and you, you can be a bit more confident, you know, if there's 30 guys or 30 women behind you you know that the race organisers won't eliminate 30 riders in one hit or it's very rare that they ever have done that. So you can sort of be safe to roll back. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But either way, I think he's he's um, represented himself well, hasn't he, at this race already. We've seen him on the front a lot. And years ago, we wouldn't have seen this from the young Aussie men or women in, you know, in the very top races, the young riders we we barely see them on the coverage. So we're seeing them on the coverage, which I think is a, a mm. huge positive. Well, and given yes. that they're actually there with two GC hopes, sorry, Christoph, That's it's even more impressive that they've got faith in him uh, yeah. because they realistically think that they can win this race 
and yeah. uh, they've chosen their team really well. So he's obviously got a lot of respect within the team already. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the thing I wanted to, to mention, and yesterday I watched a bit of the, the French uh, coverage uh, because I can, uh, and and uh, and they were talking a lot about the, the the era Australia is going through, and they were mentioning that for a long time. Uh, riders were not getting noticed because no one from any of the scouting team would come to a third division race in Australia. These days with Zwift, these days with uh, the internet, they are in Strava and so on. They are a lot more uh, au fait of, wh of what's happening here in Australia. They're mm. seeing more, they they're getting more exposed. And this is what is leading up to pretty much what they call a golden generation from Australia, which we may have had before. They just didn't have guys like you or racing with you, Maka and you, Kate, were not exposed to the to the teams. But now they are getting exposed to the team at every single level of the of the racing. Is that your feeling as well, Kate? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a couple of elements to that, and certainly one is this new way to talent ID through things like Zwift. Uh, but I think we also really need to turn the spotlight on the people who walked in the shoes before and. Um, I'm talking about people like Macca, be it Brad McGee, Baden Cook, uh, these type of guys who have the relationships with the teams and can now say, look, we've got some incredible talent. And on top of that, we've got another layer coming through where their coaches like uh, Kevin Poulton um, or my mm. sister, Natalie Kabish, um, who coaches a couple of them as well, their former riders uh, or their coaches in those World Tour scenarios. And so they're able uh, to turn the focus a little bit more on the Australians. And I also think that it's just become a pathway that people know is realistic and know can happen. And so the Aussies are also putting themselves out there uh, a little bit more and saying, I'm worth taking a chance on. So I reckon it's a combination of factors, but absolutely no question it is underpinned by the generations um, before who kind of paved the ways and, and forged all those relationships over there. Yeah, and they, they were talking as well, Maka, something you and, uh, and Pacho mentioned as well, saying, you know, when Australians go over to Europe, when Americans go to, over to Europe, you don't go home to mom and dad to do the washing. You have to fend for yourself. And that brings something up here as well as in your legs. Uh, but it's yeah. also a, a mental state which European riders might not have, you know, because there's yeah. always this, this net that they can fall back on. When you're an Aussie rider or an American rider, for that matter, when you go to Europe, you go to Europe. You know, you, yeah. don't, you don't come back home every every weekend. You do. Look, do, look. Don't don't give the Americans too much credit. I mean, <laughs> I think the shortest flight's about five hours, so it's yeah, it's true. debatable <laughs> that they could go home for a weekend. Yes. It'd, be, it'd be a big flight, but they could. <laughs> let's 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 look after our cousins, the Kiwis. All right. True. They're the Which furthest is even longer. away from anyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're they're a bit longer. They can't go home for a weekend. We can't yeah. go home for a weekend. So. <laughs> Yeah, don't, yeah, don't, don't pump up the Americans too much. They do that <laughs> true. themselves. How how <laughs> known French? How known French of me? How known French of me? I've, oh, I've no, lost what's it. Going on? I've lost it. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about uh, Simon Yates and the performance of the team. Uh, this is what he had to say after the stage yesterday. How are you, mate? Tough day in the office, but you look quite strong. Uh, it's okay. Yeah, I think it went um, how I expected. Really, felt quite good, but. Uh, the level's very high this year, so yeah, I think I'm up to sixth overall, so that's okay. Um, and another hard day tomorrow. Another one. And so tomorrow you're up into the territory where you won in 2018. So yeah, yeah, I mean, Continue. hopefully that knowledge can, uh, can help me tomorrow, but we'll see. Well, uh, I'm sure the legs will, will 
I'll uh, hurt tomorrow, but yeah, just one more day now, so until the rest day, so let's give it a crack. Simon, how tough was that climb? Oh, it was pretty tough, yeah. Um, I suppose it's more just, uh, it's it very slippy down there. I have to watch out when we go down the bottom now, it was uh, hard to get grip. Um, and to, to get out of the seat was a bit of a challenge sometimes, but hey, that's how it goes. How does that compare to what we're facing tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow's really different. Um, shorter, steeper. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just depends how we uh, pull it from today. I mean, uh, obviously I've got some experience there, but we'll see if I can, see if I can make it count. You feel good? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure he was in the mood to talk, Maka. <laughs> you know what? It's there's there's plenty of journos out there um, and, and networks that don't really warm to Simon Yates, but I actually like his style on to, on camera and in interviews because he's pretty black and white. He's 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 he doesn't want to waffle on. He's all for small talk and just you ask a question, I'll answer it. If you want some fluff on top, we'll forget it. So I sort of like it that he's straight to the point and he, he doesn't fluff around. Kate? Yeah, I agree. And I also noticed that when he first started getting interviewed, it was just um, our work experience man, John Trevorrow, and he seemed quite comfortable and at ease. And then all of a sudden these different microphones started coming in and it's almost like he was like, oh, this is a bit too hard basket. That's true. Yeah. You know, it yeah. it started as somebody who's familiar and this was easy, yeah. but I'm not really up for the media pack. So it's something to consider that you do. I mean, it's our job, um, guys, and it can be tough on us as well, shoving a microphone in a writer's mm. face when you know that they would rather have a fork shoved in their eyeball than a microphone <laughs> shoved in their face. We do it anyway. <laughs> That's for the viewers, our pleasure. Um, but it is hard, I think, on the guys, especially after super hard stages. They just want to get the heck back to the bus. Yeah. Uh, but interesting, yeah, yeah. he said he had to ride back down. Um, yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah, too, because yeah, the, so... the roads were too narrow. It was really like a goat yeah. track at the top. Uh, so no buses at the top. Again, two days in a row Love where a there were no track. buses. Uh, and and I thought Thibaut Pinot could do better on a goat track with his love with goats. Like he would have a new uh, true. A, bit, a bit better. But, uh, I did you know say that, picture. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, someone that did really well overall and he's doing really well overall is Remco Evenepoel. Let's listen to him. Remco, is uh, today's race exactly what you wanted this morning? Uh, yes, I think uh, what I said is uh, not losing time. That's the goal. If there was an opportunity, take time. Uh, I think I took time on a lot of guys, except for uh, the two most important ones, uh, Primos and, and Hendrik. Um, but it, it was good to see Primos uh, being really strong today. It's, uh, it's nice to see him uh, like this. So um, it's good for the race. And uh, I just did my best. The team was superb today. We controlled actually from the start. It wasn't easy. So uh, yeah, just uh, a big congrats to all my teammates because uh, they uh, they pushed me towards this result. Uh, have you looked behind uh, the damage and uh, who was still there? Uh, yeah, you know, in the, in my radio they tried to to explain me a bit, but I think they were a bit behind because uh, in one moment they said I was with 14 guys, but we were only three, uh, f four or five anymore. So I didn't really know what the situation was, but um, in the end, yeah, the last K I saw that it was uh, Primoz, Henrik and uh, Rodriguez, Carlos. Um, but then in the end, I just looked with my uh, soigneur to the result and it was only Henrik and uh, Primos uh, in the wheel on the finish line. So 
perfect day. In terms of uh, confidence, uh, what you experienced today in steep climbs, uh, is it good for tomorrow? Yeah, I'm really happy with what I felt today. I hope I can recover uh, really well because tomorrow I will need uh, super fresh legs again. Um, what I saw from the past is that there are not really big gaps, but of course if you explode then, then it's completely done for sure on a climb like that, but I'm just going to I'm going to keep the confidence. Um, I know it's a climb that suits me very well uh, in duration, so I'm just going to give my all. The team is uh, very strong and uh, yeah, we're going to try to keep the jersey again tomorrow and uh, why not trying to go for a stage when that would be really nice. Thank you very much. Thank you. They don't have the other one? Okay. They don't have the one with chocolate because... I left the one with chocolate. I think it's <laughs> he's Belgian after all. You know, you want chocolate, it's true, in your blood. <laughs> but there's a lot of uh, of uh, of what he says. I believe is like you say, it's black and white, and it's pretty straight. There's no fluff around what he says. He's he's saying, you know, they are strong. They played really well yesterday in the stage. You had Cavania pulling for about 60k at the front. They didn't really want to win that stage, but they kept the breakaway on the leash exactly where they needed it. Uh, you know, I, I know you're not going to like what I'm going to say, Maka, here, but I think he's looking like a very, very strong contender. If he doesn't fault, we have a battle on our hands. Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more, actually. And just listening to that interview, Christoph, and now that we've seen him back up, you know, a, a second day in the mountains, he speaks like a leader, doesn't he? He's speaking like yeah. a leader. And let's remind ourselves and everyone, he's still just 22. You know, he's a kid, and but he's talking like a leader. He's thanking his team. He's saying even, I don't know if it's borderline condescending, it's good to see Primrose back to riding strong. Like He's talking like a, an elder statesman in the peloton, but I, I don't think it was. He wasn't being condescending. I think he was, he was saying it's good for the race. So, I, look, you're right. He's going to be, look, I'll still maintain, and Kate, I'll get your thoughts on this. I still maintain the third week, is going to turn on its head and Remco could lose five minutes or he could gain five minutes. It could go either way, but to me, the third week is going to tell us so much more. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of the criticism on his hopes, because he really falls into two camps. He's very divisive for a young man. People think he's the biggest talent uh, in so long, or they're just like, ah, he's a bit overrated, a little bit meh, kind of, uh, which I find interesting. And on that, I also think that if you listen to that interview versus read some articles written today, the written articles actually make him sound... Uh, very condescending and like he's got a bit of ego. Uh -huh. It's almost like they're making a villain out of him, which I find yeah. quite interesting. Well, that's what that's um, what print journals do. That's, yeah, that's yeah. It's yeah. I know that's why. Don't miss your word, Maka. Don't miss your word. <laughs> do you want me to speak a bit more honestly? Oh, you're on fire tonight, Maka. Um, but I think the, the biggest criticism that he's ever meted at him is that he's not proven over three weeks. Um, mm. Well, I mean, was Pogaccia proven when he won his first Tour de France over three weeks? No, he not was. really, when they're so young. Can he you, was, you he reckon was 30 in the Vuelta. His Vuelta? Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I don't disagree with you. I guess in my mind there's Vuelta and there's Tour, and that may be unkind yeah. of me and not fair. No, so I understand true, what you're true. saying. But I don't know. You're right. The one difference, though, in this Vuelta Maca is that they're talking about how steep the ramps are today, but in years past, we've had like insane steep, like almost can't ride up it kind of steep. And this year is lacking a little bit in that, and that might help him 
um, a bit. But tomorrow, yeah. tomorrow gives that. Tomorrow gives tonight, it, or tonight, tonight, I should tonight, say. Tonight, tonight, tonight. tonight. at the finish. Yeah, yeah. it's short. This, this, it's this only actually, yeah. there it is there. Yeah, yeah let's take yeah, a look at it. That's the stage tonight, yeah. Go for it, Michael. Yeah, sorry. So 3.7 kilometres is that last pinch. We heard in the previous interview with Simon Yates, it's where he won the stage in 2018. He took back the red jersey and then went on to, to obviously win the race. It averages 13%. I've <laughs> seen one graph where there's a 20% I might have looked at the wrong profile <laughs> for tonight. It's, well, it's only four, it's four kilometres just under, but it is brutal. It is really brutal. So... It's oh, look, you know what? I'll, I'll fall on my sword here, Macca. I was looking at last night's stage profile. No, but it's not super long. It's not super <laughs> it's, long tonight. Yeah. Like it's not a 10-kilometre Los Machucos or one of those that they've had in the past, but it is well, it is Interesting steep. comment about Yates, though, wasn't it, that it was slippery and getting out of his seat was tough? Mm. Mm. Because that yeah. completely, like there's some climbers who can climb in their seat and there's some climbers who can climb out of their seat and there's some climbers who can do both. But if you're the climber who is an out-of-your-seat climber, that is a very big disadvantage, isn't it? Like, that's massive. Mm. And so I think that that could come into play a little bit as well. Maybe Yates, because an... he knows the road, it's an advantage for him. And if you're a non-climber, well, um, you yeah, well, may as well jump on a gravel bike. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. A couple of things to uh, to mention. Let's have a look at the, the ranking as well. So we see at the top of the that top 10, Remco Evenepoel is leading uh, this bike race ahead of Henry Mass and Primoz Roglic that, uh, and, and Rodriguez as well. So the top four is looking really hot. But look at 9 and 10. Hinley and O'Connor are here, uh, albeit they are about a minute and a minute 30 behind um, someone like Roglic. Um, this is actually very interesting from, from Jai Hinley. How do you think he is looking right now in that GC Maca? Uh, yeah, look, we'd, we'd like to see him higher up, so too with Ben O'Connor. They definitely would like to see themselves higher up. However, again, long way to go. We're a third mm. of the way through the race, as Luke Platt pointed out. So it is a long, long way to go. Plenty more climbing days to come. Um, so they're fine. They're, they're in a decent enough position and they're in a position to fight for the podium. Absolutely. But there's just one other key rider I just want to touch on really briefly Carlos Rodriguez, the Spaniard. Yep. <laughs> Guess how old he is? Mm. 19. He's 21, isn't he? He's 21. He's not 19. 21. <laughs> <laughs> He's Spanish champion. <laughs> I'm trying. You're, 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 you're killing my mood again. I was trying to do big drum roll then, and you've got 19. Well, he's, he's actually Spanish champion, though. He's Spanish champion. <laughs> he's this kid is. We've barely talked about him, and I look had a quick look at his CV. I tell you what, he's already racked up some big results for such a young guy. He's 147 off the lead. He's yeah. well and truly in this bike race for, and to yeah. fight, not just for podium, but at the moment for the victory. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he and Gagenhardt are right sitting up there together. Mm. And so I think that they're a bit of a combination there for Ineos. It's when I look at the ninth and 10th for the Aussies, Macca, I tend to think that Ben O'Connor's in a slightly better position. And I'll explain why I think that. Because if push comes to shove and they're starting to really throw down the attacks and people are starting to wear out, I feel as though they're going to be more likely to let Ben O'Connor be the one that goes than Hindley. I think that he's going to be slightly closer marked. They're far enough back that the only way mm. they are going to really catapult up uh, GC is if to a degree 
they're let go at least a little bit and they believe that they can control it within the time. Um, but I don't foresee either of them putting three minutes into uh, anybody at this stage no. or being allowed to, but they may let Ben O'Connor get a minute up the road or something. I just don't think Jai, after what he did in the Giro, I don't reckon they'll let him go anywhere. Yeah, and Ben's got that more attacking nature. Not that Jai doesn't attack, he mm. does. But Ben, as we've seen already, how he finished fourth at the Tour, um, you know, and, and in previous races, he really is an attacking style rider. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think if Ben's got some legs in the second and third week, yeah, he'll he'll somehow find a way to move up the rankings. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And he all starts probably maybe... Tonight on SBS, this is the stage uh, once again, Maka. Uh, you're not on the commentary uh, tonight, uh, but I'm sure you're back uh, next week. I am back next week, but tonight, hey, guess what? Early start again on demand, 8.30 on demand. People, get yourselves so is it, is in pretty what, much 45 from minutes? here. 45 Move minutes? from the podcast couch <laughs> yeah. to the well, on-demand couch, people. Uh, I mean, can I suggest, sorry, Maka, that in between... They go and watch the mountain bike highlights because yes. the scenes in the downhill, that is the most insane thing I have ever seen. Very proud French moment for you, Christophe. Yeah, um, you've seen the crowd. They are on, <laughs> yeah, the crowd was insane. So they're on SBS as well, Macca, aren't they? People can find them. Yes, um, and it's on live as well on gap. demand. So there's multiple things going on uh, tonight. So there's a, something kilometers. here coming up. Matthew said uh, he's hearing that Seb Kirst is a non-starter tonight. That would be oh, a big one if that uh, comes Well, from. actually, yeah. on that, guys, and I've got it here on my notes, Welt Poles is out with COVID, so he's okay. a non-starter. I know that. That's confirmed. The Sepp Kirst mm. one I haven't seen. So COVID is still just got its tentacles out there yeah. a little bit, hasn't it? It absolutely yeah. does. And I'm also mm. seeing um, Peter Seri from Quick Step. So that's uh, a bite for Evanapool. Ooh, so they're all just starting to, okay. I guess those results are coming through. The swab results are starting wow. to dribble in. Yeah, they're yeah. just like, they're swabbing yeah. them on the start line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spanish style. That's where yes. Alaphilippe well, goes, you know, yeah. goes back to the top, to the, to the, to the back of the peloton. <laughs> yeah. You would, wouldn't you? You would. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for joining us. And uh, there is no podcast as such uh, tomorrow. It's the rest day ride uh, with uh, Matthew Kinnon and yourself, Kate Bates. And Maka, you're with us back on Tuesday. But in the meantime, there's a lot more cycling on SBS. I hope you enjoy that show. Thank you to both of you. And of course, thank you again to Amanda Spratt. Uh, she's probably on her way to the airport right now, but it was a great show. Thank you to everyone for yeah, watching. And we'll see you tomorrow, same place, same time for the Zwift Rest Day Ride. Thanks for listening to the SPS Falter Espana podcast with Zwift. After five weeks on the road at the tour and no riding, I'm seriously playing some fitness catch up with Walter Inspiration. To help with my motivation, I've set myself a target of finding a team and getting involved with the Zwift Racing League. Round one starts on the 13th of September and goes to the 18th of October. One race per week for six weeks. Whether you're just starting out on your fitness journey or like me getting back into things, or you're a six watts per kilo monster, you'll find a level of racing to suit. So if you're up for the fun cycling challenge, dive in and start riding with a free seven day trial at Zwift.com and find your ZRL team or register if you're all ready to go by Sunday the 11th of September. Hopefully, I'll see you on the start line soon. Ride on.